For about 25 years on what we call Stampede Sunday, we've held a stampede breakfast for the Marlboro community. And I've always enjoyed that day. I liked it when we went back to having the breakfast in the parking lot last year like we'd held in previous years up until a couple of years ago. And I realize there are some who don't like the Stampede Breakfast Sunday, and, and that's your right to disagree with me for sure. But for me, I like it. I think it shows our desire to be part of and engage with our community, showing us as making a contribution toward helping Calgary be Calgary. Now this year, we're not having our usual Stampede Breakfast, as you know, and if we did, it would have been today, which has caused me to think about the question of what our role is in our community, because I do think that we have a role. At times in the past, there have been models for how churches should relate to their communities that I don't necessarily care for. For example, there are times when Christians have entirely embraced their culture and their community and identified with it. This happened at least as early as when parts of the New Testament church were embracing either Judaism or the Gentile culture around them. It happened when the Roman Empire became Christian. It happened in the Middle Ages with the Holy Roman Empire. It happened with the Reformation and the national churches that came out of that. And it happens today when those in the United States think of their nation as a Christian country. I know there are differences, sometimes not so subtle, between these different perspectives. But they do have the common feature of somehow identifying the kingdom of God with the kingdom of men. And my sense is that when this happens, it's the kingdom of God that is the loser, being compromised and watered down. Well, another model that we sometimes see active in, in the history of the world and its, its interaction with the church sees the church intentionally pitted against its culture. This has been the case when, whenever Christians have chosen to think of themselves as anti-world rather than just not loving the world like 1 John 2.15 says. Rather than just be strangers and aliens here, like Peter calls us to, but while living as part of society, some Christians have isolated themselves and in some cases have become quite revolutionary in their own cultures, proactively fighting, even militaristically in some cases, for an exclusively Christian place in which to live. I'd like my own island, please. And if you're not one of us, you're not welcome. So that we can remain pure and unstained is kind of the attitude. Sometimes this happens with groups who don't actually leave society, but just establish rules to keep themselves separated from the rest of society. I suppose Hutterites could be thought of this way, although their attitude toward the rest of society isn't typically condemning or harsh or completely separatist, and every Hutterite I've ever met or those in the Mennonite communities around which I grew up in Oregon were great folks who interacted very well with those not like them. Well, again, there are many different versions of this kind of interaction between the world and the church as well, and it'd be impossible for me now in this format to do justice to all the different forms this has taken. So I want to mention one other kind of option here among the possibilities, and this is actually one that I personally think fits with what we could be thought, what could be thought of as a proper role for Christianity and Christians in culture and in communities. Now to get to this view, I want us to go to scripture. And I specifically want us to see the prayer of Jesus in John 17. So if you want to, please turn in your Bibles to John chapter 17. We're going to read from verse 11 or so. And you know, this is, as I mentioned before, my favorite chapter in the Bible. 
I love it when Jesus stops and talks to his father and prays. And I love it in verse 11 when, when Jesus actually prays for the church, uh, ends up praying for the apostles and, and includes in this us. He prays for us as well. So in verse 11, Jesus says this, and I want you to, to think in terms of what the mission of the church is. Jesus says, I will remain in the world no longer, but they are still in the world. Then he says in verse 14, the world has hated them, for they are not of the world any more than I am of the world. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of it. And then in verse 18, he says, as you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. Well, the phrase, which is pretty well known, that we are, quote, in the world, but not of it, unquote, and we hear that quite often, comes from just this scripture, as does the idea that not only are we in the world, but that we have been sent into the world by Christ, not just to live in, but so that we can impact the world in his name. That's what the whole notion of being sent means. It means being sent with a purpose. We've been given a vocation. And although this was written specifically to the apostles, I have no trouble with the idea that what Christ passed on to them is something that is to be passed on to us. So this is interesting. We know that we should be good neighbors, and many scriptures point in this direction. If an early Christian was a slave, and you can find this in Paul's writings and certainly in 1 Peter, if an early Christian was a slave, she was actually called to be a good slave. And that's not a promotion of slavery in any way. It's simply to promote a certain attitude about the relationship to being Christian and being in the world. We are to love our neighbors, Jesus says, as ourselves. We're called not to rebel against the government, to be good citizens, to pray for those in positions of government leadership, to pay our taxes, to not get in trouble with those who are in authority. We're to obey the laws of our culture as long as these laws don't call us to, to do something sinful. But passively and quietly living in our communities or even participating in the life of our communities with full engagement is not, it seems to me, what Jesus is actually calling us to. Now let me say that again because I want you to get this. Passively and quietly living in our communities or even participating in the life of our communities with full engagement as great citizens is not, it seems to me, what Jesus is actually calling us to. Jesus says that he sent the apostles into the world. That implies intentionality. That implies purpose and a plan and not just passivity. That isn't just cooperation or pleasantly living in proximity to our neighbors. It isn't simply that we're to have good working relationships with those around us. Instead, I think Jesus intends for us to carry out the same kind of transforming relationship with the world for which he sent the apostles into the world. If you were to turn to Luke chapter 9 verses 1 through 11, and I encourage you to do this. You can turn there right now and, and just look at this. Uh, we won't read it all, but... Uh, but still, you can see where this is. Luke chapter 9, verses 1 through 11, or Luke chapter 10, verses 1 through 24. If you turn there, you would see that Christ's sending of the apostles into the world 
had certain intentions. There was to be an impact that they were to have. They weren't just passive. They were to bring God's power with them into the world. They were to rid the world of darkness and the demonic, for example. And the text specifically says this. They were to bring peace. They were to bring healing. They were to bring the presence of the Holy Spirit. They were to call for repentance. They were to preach the good news of God's inbreaking kingdom. They were to initiate a harvest of lives for God. And they were to inaugurate along with, and, and by the power of the death and resurrection of Jesus, a new age of transformation of their communities toward God's presence. So there isn't much question about whether or not we are just to live among the people of the world, being good citizens. We are called as Christians, every one of us, to live having an impact. The question is not whether or not we should have an impact, but exactly what that impact should be and how are we going to have that impact. Now, this is an especially perplexing question right now. How can we play this role in our community right now when we can't have church services? Or maybe a better question is, in what ways can we, can we and should we be in our communities when we can't hold in-person worship services? You know, we tend to automatically think in terms of going to the church building to meet with other Christians as our obligation. But has this really ever been what we're called to? In fact, isn't Christ sending of us into the world at least potentially fulfilled a lot better in the other six days of the week than it is on the first day of the week when we kind of retreat into our church building. I would say that we're totally missing it if we think that holding church services at our building has all that much to do with being in and impacting our communities for Christ. Yes, at least we can invite people to church, But is that what was on Christ's mind when he told us to go into all the world? When he sent us out? But don't get me wrong. I love meeting together as Christians. But assembling for worship is not exactly the same thing as being sent into the world by Christ. You know, it's like having our church staff spend its time at the church office during the week. Some of this needs to happen for sure. There are things that can best be done by us when we keep office hours and prepare for worship in the offices or coordinate ministry using the church office. But there had better be limits to this. I mean, we can stay in the church office if you want us to, but our church offices are not really in the community. And for us to sit at our desks minding phones, whether you're Hope or Kelly or Jonathan or Dustin, isn't exactly to be in our community having an impact. Even if we drive through our community on the way to the office and then station ourselves in an office in a church building that is located in the community, that's not really being in the community. Nowhere does the New Testament say, go and hold worship services in a building. Nowhere did Paul ever say he gave some to be apostles and some to be prophets and some to be evangelists and some to be pastors and teachers in order to occupy the office of church buildings and to answer the phones. And folks, I know I'm exaggerating the circumstances in order to make a point, but I hope it's being made. 
We're called not to support an institution and its status quo, but to bring transformation to the world. We're not called to invite the world to come see us. We are sent and called to go out among them and to help them transform into the people that God created them to be. So while it's frustrating right now that we aren't meeting together as an entire church family and that we can't worship the Lord exactly the way we want to, maybe it's through this that we can catch an even better vision for what the church is supposed to be. Listen to these words from Jesus in Matthew 9, 35 through 38. It says, Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaimed the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them, because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Do you hear those words? Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. That's what the church is supposed to do. The text says that Jesus was traveling about from town to town, preaching about the kingdom, healing the diseases of the people, teaching them. He wasn't staying somewhere in a building. He was out among people doing God's work. So if you're thinking to yourself, wow, with COVID-19 upon us, the church can't really be the church because we can't get together for worship and fellowship. It may actually be exactly the opposite. If we aren't centered so much on what happens at the church building, it could be that we'll see the church as a community of believers sent into its community, just as I think Jesus intended for us to see ourselves. What if an army of people viewed itself not so much as a worshiping collective gathered together for Sunday mornings, but as a mobilized force for transformation sent to impact those around them for at least six days a week? What if we stopped worrying about when whether, whether or not we can get back to worship and when that will take place and when we can fellowship again together and started reflecting on our call by Christ, to be a sent people into the world. Are we of the world? No, we're not of the world. But we are in it. And we're in it for a reason, a purpose, a goal, a vocation, to answer a call, to impact and transform our communities for the kingdom of God. That is the explicitly stated purpose of the church in the New Testament. So that to be this, sent into our world, would be to fulfill the prayer that Jesus himself prayed about what we would be. How will you contribute to the role of the church as it goes into the world to have an impact for Christ?